Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Miloš Novovic and I'm an Associate Professor of Law at the Norwegian Business School. All opinions today are entirely my own. And I'm Ria Alexandra Valle from No Ties Consulting. Hi Ria, so nice to see you. Hey Miloš, how's it going? Wonderful. I had a short summer vacation, two weeks, but I managed to relax a little bit. Nice. And uh, how about you? Yeah, I had uh, a short uh, two days uh, cycling vacation, so that was pretty awesome in uh, beautiful Norway. So uh, yeah, getting to take some time off. That's wonderful. And honestly, I think that it's always nice to relax, but I don't think that I needed time away from our chats because I think it's always so inspiring to talk about the GDPR. We're probably in the clear minority there, but uh, I've been looking forward to continuing this podcast. Yeah, yeah, me too, for sure. There are so many exciting cases and everything. And I just did uh, just going to do a short plug for the other podcast, the uh, GDPR Today, which is the GDPR Hub's newsletter that I do an audio, audio recording of so people can check that out as well. Sounds super exciting. And speaking of exciting and vacation and everything else, today I'm actually going to be less grumpy than usually. Oh, wow. But Yes, because I think we have a topic where I, for once, am going to side with uh, some of the data protection authorities. So today, I thought we could take a you know a brief round through some case law and speak about access requests, which can be denied, as we know under the GDPR, if they are manifestly unfounded or excessive. That kind of kind of sounds like a short summary of my life, manifestly <laughs> unfortunate or excessive. But uh, there is this interesting legal provision, right, which in short allows data controllers to decline any requests which fulfill those criteria. Um, yeah, and I would love to, to kind of hear your thoughts on the topic. We know that there has been a lot of guidance from the data protection authorities that EDPB kind of takes a very conservative stance here, that they say that uh, requests should only uh, be declined on this ground in very unusual, very rare and restrictive circumstances. And, uh, you know, this gu these guidelines have been out for some time, but now we finally have some case law to actually substantiate this. So, you know, why don't we dive in right there? You have seen and have uh, sent me actually quite a few cases published on the GDPR hub. So um, why don't we just dive straight in? What's your first case? Yeah, sure. It's interesting because so I read the GDPR Hub newsletter every single week uh, and it's a highlight of the week because you get to see like what are the newest cases from across the EEA. So I definitely recommend everybody to subscribe to that. And if you don't know, the GDPR Hub is the initiative of NOIB, Max Schrems uh, organization that you probably have heard about. So check that out and we will provide a link in the show notes. So I started to notice that the word excessive was recurring in this newsletter a lot of times. And then all of a sudden I realized that, okay, there are actually, uh, this isn't enforced in the same way across the EA, which is unfortunate because the whole idea of going from a directive to a regulation was to ensure that it, the GDPR and data protection rules are implemented and enforced uh, pretty much uh, similar across the region with some exceptions that we won't go into today. So that's where it all started, Milos. And uh, we have a few cases here that we uh, we are going to discuss. So I I'll mention a couple of cases first that, and both are from uh, Germany, 
from uh, higher regional courts, or actually one is only a regional court. And they both revolve around insurance companies that have rejected a data subject access request uh, on the grounds of it being excessive because the purpose of the request is not to be aware of or verify the lawfulness of the processing, but to verify the validity of increases to insurance premiums. What do you think about that? That just sounds like, you know, a very uh, wrong interpretation of the law to me. Uh, I think that... uh, Data protection, privacy is a fundamental right. And I also think that the right uh, to access of data is just one of the primary control mechanisms given to the data subjects. Now, you could argue, of course, in light of the uh, Recital 63, which mentions that the purpose of uh, right to access is to actually allow data subjects to control the lawfulness of processing, that this is actually the only way in which uh, right to access should be used, and that if data subject does not want to control the lawfulness of processing per se, that the right to access does not apply. But this is wrong. And I can, off the top of my head, come up with uh, two examples. Say that we look into an entirely different area of law, the freedom of information requests, which you can file with your government and ask them to disclose you know, any documents which they might hold, which more or less, again, serves the same transparency purpose. And within all the case law surrounding this right and within the laws regulating it, you have a clear principle that you do not need to explain the purpose for you asking for documents to your local government because that just opens up a huge potential for abuse. Your government can say that your reason is not good enough. Sometimes even just revealing your reason is going to set things in motion, which cannot be undone. So, for example, uh, say that you are saying you're investigating corruption, they could just start burning the evidence. And I think that the same logic applies to data controllers. You know, if you need to give a perfectly good reason, a perfectly argued reason, um, I don't think that makes any sense because, again, then the controllers are always going to dispute, well, this reason is maybe not good enough or this is not exactly checking the lawfulness of processing. And you can just imagine that, you know, to an average person, if you say, um, I want to get all of my data from this grocery store because I suspect that, you know, as we discussed in the last episode, that their customer clubs are maybe not perfectly legal. Um, Does this person need to know which articles of the GDPR they're checking for? Do they need to substantiate how they're going to check for this? So to me, it just does not make any sense. It's supposed to be a neutral right. What do you think? No, I absolutely agree. And I think you you said it initially. It's a fundamental right. It it doesn't make any sense to let controllers then um, reply to you why. Why do you want this? What 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 are you basi- basing this on? So leaving it uh, as an additional responsibility to the data subject to explain themselves why they want this data. And that is for sure not the intention with GDPR. So I, I think this is a very, very strange, a very strange interpretation of uh, of the um, 
article. And and this is also shows the problem with the enforcement of the GDPR. And I know, Milos, we are going to discuss this on another episode because we, we just briefly touched upon it in another discussion that we had about the enforcement of the GDPR and it's being different the different approaches from the different courts in the different countries and how it pertains to like national contract law and other laws. So, um, but I'll save that nugget for later, but for sure, I absolutely agree. You can't leave it up to the uh, controller to decide whether or not uh, a data subject deserves to, uh, to uh, have their access rights because you suspect that uh, their intentions uh, isn't to, as they say, verify the lawfulness of the processing from a data protection perspective. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And I mean, there have to be some limits uh, as to, you know, there could be legitimate purposes for which you are filing access requests. So say that, you know, you just want to annoy your previous employer, for instance, or you just want to get back at someone. But still, it is a fundamental right and the threshold should be very, very high. Um, Of course, you know, there are already legal limits as to what you can ask about. So I think that that kind of offsets things a little bit there. I remember when I filed one of the requests with one of the larger companies, I actually, uh, as part of my request, asked them, how do you comply with the data minimization principle? And I mean, their answer was quite clear. You know, we are under no obligation to disclose that information to you. And I mean, I can see their line of reasoning there, right? So... um, so yes, yeah. I can see that there are some limits. Uh, and that's interesting because you said that to annoy someone and uh, the EDPB, so you mentioned the guidelines they have on uh, data subject rights and the rights, uh, the right of access specifically that was on public consultation and ended in March and they are yet to be finalized. But there they talk about that, uh, like using an access request as a form of revenge or to pester someone. And they say that if you are able to prove that, that uh, those are the intentions to aggravate someone, then you might uh, reject the access request. But of course, you would have to be able to prove it, which I think would be uh, would be challenging. Yeah, Yeah, I cannot imagine courts going, you know, Uh, just accepting that line of reasoning very easily. But then at the same time, you know, here we have courts saying, well, you're just asking for this data to check your insurance policies. This is, you know, this has nothing to do with Article 6.1b and you're checking whether or not it's necessary. (laughs) Like, it it just makes no sense. But there are some good examples from the courts on this uh, matter as well that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so the two cases that I talked about first, that was from the Higher Regional Court of Dresden and the Regional Court of Essen. So now the Higher Regional Court of uh, Köln, they came to the opposite conclusion, actually. So they held that uh, an access request of an insurance holder aimed to verify the lawfulness of premium increases and not the lawfulness of the data processing cannot be considered excessive under Article 12.5. And isn't that interesting? Because here you have another court uh, arguing the opposite, actually. Yeah, I, I actually fully fully follow their reasoning. And I, I mean, for the reasons we've already discussed, I actually agree fully with them. But you do raise a very interesting point uh, about the discrepancies between the courts in the same country. And I mean, how can we hope for harmonized enforcement of the GDPR then? And... Uh, you know, aside for us worrying for the European Union, which uh, 
which we may or may not want to do, uh, just in specific business terms, how do you then advise your clients what to do when they receive an access request if the two courts in the same country say entirely different things? So I think my recommendation there would be to go back to the article, go back to look at EDPB guidance and just, I don't think maybe that this will be a huge problem for most controllers. I think this uh, pertains to the insurance uh, industry because that's really the recurring uh, uh, industry in, uh, in these decisions. And uh, But the good thing is that how are we going to interpret this? Well, we do have the Court of Justice of the European Union who's, uh, go, who actually have a case now on this exact topic. And uh, so it's just sent for preliminary request to the court. So I'm thinking that it'll take a few months before we can see any results from that. But uh, I wanted to just state one of the... Um, sentences from the preliminary request. So it says that, therefore, in the view of the referring court, a request for the provision of a copy of the process data on the basis of Article 15.3, even if it's not motivated by the protective purpose of the provision, must be regarded as being neither manifestly unfounded nor excessive within the meaning of the second sentence of Article 12.5. This means that the Court of Justice, they will uh, assess this in detail and uh, we will have our answer. I think that that is probably the only way that this is going to be uh, permanently fixed. Uh, EDPB can come with guidelines, the courts can still disagree with those guidelines. Uh, and as long as we have diverging practice on a question as fundamental as this one, uh, the data subjects are definitely going to uh, suffer. So I think that it's very good that the Court of Justice is going to handle a case about this. And honestly, when we think about data protection as a right, as I've said, I think that the right to access, I, I cannot think of a more powerful kind of quote-unquote arsenal for data subjects because of course they can lodge a complaint with the supervisory authority but usually you know most people will not lodge a complaint unless they have a good idea of what kind of processing is taking place so i don't see i don't necessarily see you know uh, how anybody uh, can argue that data subjects have strong rights and actually have meaningful remedies unless we set in motion uh, exactly this interpretation yeah. And and I uh, I also think another just uh, interesting thing to mention on uh, on these cases that we discussed the three cases is that um uh, I think that was the uh, court of Essen. Yeah, they concluded actually that the notification letter sent to the data subject uh, didn't cons uh, constitute personal data because they were uh, generic letters. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> Köln reached the opposite conclusion because obviously these letters, although generic in form, are sent to a specific individual and it has their name on it, their address and everything. So uh, I think it's pretty clear that uh, this is personal data. So it's just interesting to see like how the different courts reason around the same things. And again, this is a challenge with the enforcement because the data protection authorities is one thing and they do work together um, uh, quite a lot. But the various courts of a country like take Germany, for example, who has nine data protection authorities to begin with and then think of all the different local, national and regional courts, etc. Like uh, 
the same enforcement is is very very challenging, and this uh, we see this clearly here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I mean, the whole discussion about whether or not a letter constitutes personal data is just, you know, we can disagree uh, with the way that GDPR defines personal data. We can think that it's not reasonable, but I mean, the legislator has spoken. I don't think that the courts can override clear legislative intent. Uh, and I mean, you also mentioned another case from Denmark where kind of the discussion moved a little bit away from the purpose of access rights per se, but rather moved towards discussing, well, what is really personal data? What is this data being processed for? Which I guess is purpose again. But uh, in a case somewhat similar to this discussion of uh, whether or not the letter addressed to someone is personal data and therefore subject to access request, uh, what happened in this Danish case? Uh, which case was that again? That was where the Danish DPA, uh, basically, there was an employee who was requesting data from a previous employer. And then the Danish DPA said that uh, they don't need to provide access to all emails and notes and letters. Yeah, it was deemed excessive. Yeah, exactly. Because it was kind of um, connected to the people's, uh, oh, sorry, this person's duties in carrying out their job. So basically, yeah. What it, yeah. Yeah, and... Um so they they actually held that it was excessive according to article 125b because it comprised a very large amount of personal data that was connected as you said to his duties and not his personal attributes and i think that was the one where no that was a different one it was somebody requesting data going back to 50 years that was also <laughs> deemed excessive so I, I think uh, the thing here is to go back to looking at how how is the article defining like what can you ask for and what is like reasonable intervals. And the EDPB also discusses this in their guidelines. And uh, we have another case that I think we might have to discuss uh, on a second episode on the same uh, the same theme, but that relates to the data protection authorities being able to uh, reject uh, complaints as being excessive. Yeah, I think that that definitely deserves another episode. I'm always happy to discuss, you know, performance of data protection authorities. But jokes aside, I think that, uh, you know, this line of reasoning of you've asked for too much data I don't think it should be just accepted, you know, um, it should not just be kind of um, accepted, you know, as simple as that by the data protection authorities, because data controllers also have this option to ask the data subject to further specify uh, what their request is about, right? So if yeah. I ask for all of my employment data, I, I think it's better to kind of err on the side of caution and expect my employer to say, okay, but what do you actually want? instead of uh, DPA saying, well, this is clearly uh, excessive because you've asked for too much. Yeah, and the EDPB uh, talks about that also in the guidelines that uh, you have to, even though uh, a request might be extremely complex and involve a lot of data, it, it's not uh, immediately classified as it's being uh, excessive. Because look at it the other way. Why are you processing all of this data? Is it really necessary? Like you as a controller, you also have to think about data minimization. Like 
Why is this processing so complex and uh, constitutes so large amounts of data in the first place? So that in itself isn't uh, grounds to reject uh, an access request as uh, excessive uh, as per the EDPB. And uh, in my view, just... uh, in a regular sense. <laughs> you do realize that you've just made uh, a, a, like ingenious point because uh, you uh, very rightfully bring up the data minimization principle. Then you just ask them for everything they have from the last 50 years. And when they say this is excessive, you just say, I'm go- I just want to, per Article 63, check your compliance with the data minimization principle. That's interesting. <laughs> Maybe you should have responded to that, Milos, on that case you mentioned. Yeah, you know what? Um, another week, another chance to to play with the GDPR. So I think that uh, basically, if we were to sum this up, I think we just need to wait for CGU to issue a ruling on this case and to harmonize things. And until then, people should or data controllers should, as a rule of thumb, still uh, err on the side of caution and actually give people the data they're asking for. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And I think you made a brilliant point as well there, saying that, you know, go back to the data subject, ask them, what are you looking for? How can we help you? Uh, be of service and be don't be, you know, uh, difficult to deal with, because I think that would only aggravate people. If you treat them kindly and politely and you respond to them without undue delay, you know, I think that is a very good start and that will uh, help you deal with these access requests in such a better way as well on that note i just have to say thank you it was such a pleasure chatting today and i will look forward to our next talk likewise milos thank you so much bye bye